Stand by to the floor in five, four, three, two, one. Coming to you live from the rich heartland of Altamont Springs, Florida, it's The Vic Show with Victor Bowers, brought to you by Super Channel WACX-TV. Take it away! Hello, greetings! Hello, greetings, yes! Oh, my heavens. How are you? Great. Great. Okay, let me turn up my music. Ah, there it is. Victor Bowers here with The Vic Show. And greetings! Oh, yes, we've done that. Yes. My heavens, I was just talking with Diane right before we went on the air. I was cleaning my glasses because there was... Last night, I sprayed some um, bug killer on my lawn to kill ants because ants live in the trees or something, the little trees, and then they come in the house and eat the cat food. Long story. So I was out there spraying... You know, and um, I got stuff on my glasses, so I hope my eyes don't fall out of my head in the show from all the ortho spray that I was <laughs> administering last night on the shrubs, nonetheless. <laughs> what, Terry? I just don't inhale too much, you know? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that stuff stinks, but it kills the ants. Um, I, not that I don't like ants. I like, the, I like ants outside. Once they come in the house, and the only thing that's in my house that's really food that is outside of the fridge is cat food. Because all my food is frozen, then I bake and eat it. (laughs) So anyway, and those ants find ways into the house. They'll come up like a piece of broken grout and a tile. They will find their way. They will find that food, that cat food. So I got to, but I discovered this is a tip. This is a Vic Show tip. If you have this problem, like, how are these ants getting to my house? And you go around and you look outside and you don't see ant mounds. Look, if you have shrubs or foliage against your house, like hedges or something against the board, you know, which we typically have. Look in those, like, if certain, because the ants go up and down those, the, the, um, the branches of those shrubs. And you'll, if you see a trail of ants going up the shrubs, they're coming into your house. They're connected. They find a way. But that's what I discovered. So I spray my shrubs with like the ortho or the spectricide lawn spray. I spray the shrubs down and the ants go away for like two or three months. Nice. Yeah. So if you have shrubs against your house and you have an ant infestation, look in those shrubs. They may be coming in via those shrubs connecting with your house. Just just you less, just a lesson show. learned. Who would have? I, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the Holy Spirit or not. But maybe uh, he who has ears, let them hear. So, nonetheless, resurrection now, resurrection now. <laughs> yeah, this is what we're going to talk about, and this is, you know, this is so timely for this time of the year, the season we're in. But it's also, you know, a topic. It is the topic of our faith. Our faith is grounded in the resurrection of a man who was fully dead and came back to full life and life more full and not at the expense of his humanity. He wasn't, he wasn't a, a, a spiritual body that had been raised. Again, when we talk about resurrection, we're talking about the, the 
earthen body raised from the dead. A body, any spiritual bodies, that's kind of a misnomer because a body is something that is in and of itself an element of creation. Like you think of the orbital bodies when scientists talk about outer space, they're, they're talking about not vapors, they're not talking about gases, they're talking about planets, they're talking about real matter, subjects of matter, like a planet, an orbital body. So when we talk about bodies, we're talking about things of matter. We're not talking about ghosts. We're not talking about vampires. We're not talking about vapors. We're not talking about extraterrestrials. We're not talking about zombies. We're talking about bodies. Resurrection is always a bodily experience in biblical literature. And certain ancient Jews believed in the resurrection at the end of the age. This is what we'll get into in a moment in the book of John, when Martha and Jesus are having this interaction. And um, so, and, and actually other religions talked about a resurrection of some state, but it was always a resurrection or something outside the earth at a celestial re, re, uh, place. Like if you look at Christian heresies, they often rework resurrection apart from the scriptures. They tweak it in some ob, odd way. But resurrection as it's presented to us in the Gospels, and that we're going to start in John 11, where Jesus kind of emphatically announces it to Martha as he's going to interact with the death of Lazarus. Resurrection is something that happens on the earth, from a body to a body. It's not a ghost experience. It's not something that happens in heaven. There is not resurrection in heaven. But there again, heaven and earth are not separate. Heaven and earth are connected. They've always been connected. They, they disconnected in our minds in Genesis 3. But from God's point of view, heaven and earth are not, heaven's not up there and we're down here. Heaven and earth overlap and interlock in the mind of God. And in Christ, the personification of the new heavens and the new earth that has come back to us. So that's what I'm going to talk about. And resurrection is something that happened to Jesus. And he, and he demonstrated that in real space and time. And now it's on offer to us. Now. Resurrection now. Resurrection now. So that's what I want to get into in a moment in regards to Lazarus. Oh, let's see if my beverage... And again, what do you put in the hot tea, Diane? Uh, thieves, honey. Thieves and honey. Thieves and honey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, had, I got a haircut last week, and my guy and I were talking, and he started cutting. He just kept cutting and cutting and cutting. Mm. And then he told me, oh, I cut your hair a little bit shorter than you wanted. Nice. And then, hold on. <laughs> and then what do you do? I mean, what, yeah, what do you do? Get up and walk out and... You know, in protest, mm. you're like, okay. <laughs> so, free haircut? Huh? Yeah. Well, free haircut? <laughs> no, it wasn't free. Uh, mm. So, yeah, resurrection now. Okay, let's go to um, John chapter 11. And this is the account of 
when Lazarus dies. And um, it's the, the four Gospels, of course, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John is the only Gospel that tells of this account. And in some of my research, I, did, I wasn't necessarily even looking for this tidbit of information, but one of the um, commentators wrote that the reason, because Lazarus was, um, it, he was rather famous after this event, you would obviously, I mean, in the next chapter of John, they're wanting to even kill Lazarus because he was proof that Jesus had some kind of ability that they did not have. And so they not only wanted to do Jesus in, but they were also thinking about doing Lazarus then, killing him. In uh, John 12, you can read that. But the reason John, which is the last gospel written, it's the, of all four gospels that we have in our scriptures, it's the latest one. It's the one that was written last. And the reason John, the commentators believe, was uh, wrote it in, and put it in his gospels as opposed to the prior three was because by this time Lazarus had died. He had lived his full life. Uh, again, people think John was written in the 90s, first century, ni around 90, or a bit after um, year 100. So early 90, or 90s, early 100s. After, um, but Lazarus had died, fully lived his life and had died. And so there was no longer a fear of having to talk about this story because up until, La for the rest of Lazarus's life, he was somewhat of a hunted man, according to tradition, um, because he was always proof about what had happened at one day in his life. That's recorded for us in John 11. I hope that's not too confusing. Maybe it is. But uh, anyway, the account of Lazarus is recorded and given to us in the book of John. Lazarus is a, uh, he is one of three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. You've heard of Mary and Martha, and Lazarus is introduced to us in John 11. And it's really the only place in the Gospels where he's introduced to us in, in this fashion. He doesn't ever say a word, yet his story and what happens to him is a reshaping of, of the working of God in humanity. Again, resurrection was a notion that had been um, accepted by Judaism from hundreds of years prior to this. Uh, it's alluded to by King David and uh, all throughout the exile, the Babylonian exile and the prophetic writing of all the prophets in the Old Testament. There was always this notion of a resurrection, of a raising from the dead that would happen at the end of the age. And that's all the prophets could see. Isaiah and Ezekiel. Ezekiel's dry bones is a huge overture to this notion of resurrection from the dead. Um, but it was always something that was going to happen at the end of the age. The end of the age. The, the end of time, according to Jewish tradition. And by the time of the Gospels, by the time G of the life of Jesus, there were sections of Judaism that had totally disavowed the notion of resurrection. They were called the Sadducees. Sad, you see? But there were two schools of thought. The, the Sadducees believed in no resurrection. And basically that was a political stance um, because they were the power brokers on the kingdom of Israel, even though the kingdom of Israel 
was in slavery to Rome, they were still the power brokers. And so the notion of people coming back from the dead would be a threat to their power structure. So they did not believe in the resurrection as a political, as a political thought. Uh, the Pharisees were the more religious Jews of the day, the more orthodox, the more dedicated to Torah. And they did believe in the resurrection because it was mentioned in scriptures. But they believed as it's something at the end of time, something outside their reach. And so when Lazarus dies in John 11, Lazarus is a good friend of Jesus, a very close friend. All three of these siblings were very close to Jesus. They were like his new family. And they, they were very close. They lived in Bethany outside Jerusalem. So close enough to Jerusalem to, to do the work that Jesus needed to do. But then Jerusalem was a dangerous place for Jesus. So he never spent the night there. Ever think about that? He never spent the night in Jerusalem, except the night before his crucifixion. And he, I'm sure he got no rest that night. So, but he stayed in Bethany with these three siblings on the other side of Jerusalem, but close enough to Jerusalem to do business when he had to. So one of these is sick, Lazarus. And so Martha sends a note, a message to Jesus to come. The one you love is sick. That's how she starts her, her plea. Come. Well, you can read most of the account in John 11. Jesus delays for several different reasons, but he finally does show up. And by the time he shows up, Lazarus is dead. He's four days dead. He had been in the tomb for four days. So we'll start with where this picks up. Matthew 11, 21, 22. Now we're talking about resurrection now. But resurrection in Martha's mind is not something that happens now. It's something that happens then, whenever then is. So Jesus is going to start introducing a new thought, a new reshaping of God's plan to help you and I even today. This applies to us today. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And is there any more? Yeah. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he, they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this, Terry? Do you believe this, Diane? Do yes. you believe this? Yeah. Let's review it again with some of my commentary. So Nathan, let's take us, take us back. Lord, Jesus, Lord Jesus, if only you had been here, things would be different. Why are you running late, Lord? Why did you not answer my prayer on time? Why are you running late? If only, if only I would have given more in the offering. If only I would have been more obedient. If only I would not have sinned that one night. If only, if only, if only, Lord, you could have done something. Because I know, Lord Jesus, you're my lucky charm. 
I can go to you. And if I do the right thing, if I pull the right string, if I say the right prayer, if I give the right offering, I know you'll talk to the big man upstairs and you'll move his hand because he listens when you pray, Jesus. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. However, you're my lucky charm, Jesus. I know that whatever, that whenever, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. They who has ears, let them hear. Okay, let's, let's go on. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. That's all he says. Your brother will rise again. Martha, still thinking in her old mindset. Jesus, I know he'll rise again. I mean, we, we all went to Sunday school together. We all know what we were taught. We're good Jews. We were taught that there will be a resurrection at the end of the time, the, the last day. So I know he'll rise again. At the last day, she was quoting her scripture. She was quoting her Bible lesson. That's the best she had. She didn't hear what Jesus was saying. She heard what Jesus was saying, but she didn't hear what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again. At the resurrection in the last day, that's all I know about him rising again, is that it's going to be then. Not now. We all know it won't be now, Jesus. But so, Jesus, what's your point? If you can't fix the problem now, I know he'll be raised then, but I'm in pain now. He's gone now. There's going to be, I don't, what? It leaves you speechless. What do you do with that? What? I'm talking to you people, you person, you Sally, Joe, Mary. You, Anne-Marie, I'm talking to you. What do you do with that pain? Because that pain is now. I know in the sweet by and by, and the, I'll have a ca cabin in the corner of glory land, and we'll have streets of gold, and there will be no crying, there will be no tears. That's good to think about, but how does that affect me today? Now. How does it affect me now, Jesus? I need help now. I need help now. Okay. I know he will rise again. Jesus said to her, Jesus is breaking in with new, new, new thought, new way of live, new way of putting Jesus in your mind. You're on God's mind, but is he on your mind? This is one thing you need to put in your mind. This is what he said to her, and he's saying it to you. I am. Not I will be, not I will be the resurrection. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Not that I am life. We have life. Most of our lives are miserable. So we know what life is. He didn't say I have life. I, he says I have the, I am the life. I am the life that God ordained for you to have, but sin stole from you. We all are living, but we're living miserably. We're getting along. We're hobbling along the best we can. And God's like, but I have, some, I have a life for you. And this is not the life I have for you. But I understand you don't know any better. You're stuck in sin. You're stuck in old mindset. You're stuck, stuck, stuck. But I have the life and I'm going to deliver it to you now. 
I am the resurrection. I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die, will always live. This quote, before we go to this part right here, forget this part, right here, what Jesus is doing is he's restructuring the power of God in real space and time. What, do I, what am I saying? In 1 Samuel chapter 2, we're not going to go there, but 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah prays a prayer. Hannah was the barren woman who got pregnant through a prayer and, and birthed Samuel, the first great prophet of Israel, a prophet who changed the trajectory of Israel and who took God's salvation plan one step forward. Samuel was that person. Hannah was his mother who wasn't supposed to be pregnant, but she prayed and God granted her, God granted her prayer. She got pregnant. And so in this prayer in 1 Samuel 2, she says that Yahweh is the God who's sovereign over living and dead. She prays this prayer. She says, you're Yahweh, the God of Israel is Yahweh. And he is sovereign over all, le all, over, over all life and over all death. He is sovereign over who lives and who dies. This is Jesus taking from her prayer and restructuring it here and bringing it into a resurrection context. He who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die, will undie will undie, will always live. All three work. He who lives by believing in me will undie or will always live, meaning life. That even in death, even in bodily death, there will be life. The body will die and rest in peace in the earth. But there is a great resurrection coming. Daniel talks about it. Re Revelation talks about it. Resurrection is all over the New Testament. Okay. Do you believe this? That's a question to you now. Do you believe this? We're talking about resurrection now. Not resurrection then. Resurrection now. Because that's what's on tap. That's what's... I don't like using that. That's a bar reference. But that's what's available. But it works. That's what's on tap. All you got to do is believe, which you take that lever and you pull it towards you. And out comes the beverage. Do you believe this? That's what's available. Resurrection now. Victor, I still don't get it. Okay, let's go on. Okay, what's next? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So she was moving. She was moving. Her belief was growing. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Nuts next after that. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for there has, he has been dead four days. She is, she's backsliding. <laughs> she's backsliding, which is natural. So Jesus turns right around. And what does he say? Did I not tell you, honey? Come on, Martha, come on. Let me remind you. Let me bolster your faith for all of us. Did I not tell you that if you believe you just say, yes, you believe you will see the glory of God. And the glory of God is not the light, bright luminescence that we taught. The glory of God in Jesus, his vocational fulfillment, the glory, a person's glory. Like um, when Tiger Woods wins the masters, what she's done many times and he may do again in the next month. 
when he wins the Masters, he holds his hands up. He's in his glory. Everybody's applauding. He's in the glory of his vocation as a golfer. When a quarterback, a famous quarterback, who's the famous quarterback for the, who was with the Patriots and who's now at Tampa Bay? We all know him. Um, that guy. I forget his name. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. When Tom Brady won, was in his glory when he would win Super And they were like, oh, that's awesome, you know. Or like the kid who graduates high school and they're just so happy. And that's the glory of his high school vocation. He has fulfilled it. He is, when Queen Elizabeth sits on the throne and she's in state, in parliament, back when she was young and at the height of her powers as a reigning monarch on her throne, diamonds. I mean, she's just brilliant. And all of her court is before her listening to her speak. She's in her glory as a queen. When Jesus is in his glory, is not luminescent. Like, that's God's place. The glory of Jesus is in his vocation as Savior, in his vocation as the resurrection. That's when he's in his glory. The glory of Jesus is in his resurrection power. You will see the glory of God. He's talking about himself because he has come to raise the dead. He's come to raise the dead. Okay. And, of course, after that, he raises. So... What does that mean, resurrection now? What does that mean to you? Let's go to Romans. What's next, Nathan? Acts. Wait, wait no, what, what is next? Acts or Romans? You tell me. Acts. For he has said a day. This is Paul's great message to the Greeks. The, the uh, message on Mars Hill. Paul goes to the height of philo ph philosophical thinking. He goes to the Greeks and he preaches in their pulpit on Mars Hill, an outdoor arena. And he's preaching to all these stoic philosophers. <clears throat> modern-day atheist. He's preaching to them, and he's wrapping up his sermon. He only had like 10 minutes to speak. He says, for the Lord has set a day when he will judge the world with justice, meaning justice. He will set all things right. Justice in the mind of God is setting all things right. When you, speak, when you hear judgment, it's not judgment and condemnation. It's judgment to make all things right. The world by justice, by the man he has appointed, he has given proof to him that this day, to everyone by raising him from the dead, he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. What's the next one, Nathan? In Romans, I believe. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. This is to you, that you might belong to another, to Jesus, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Paul is telling the Roman church, which were made up of a whole bunch, bunch of different people, very multicultural society, Jews, Greeks, rich, poor, white, black, Hispanic, Oriental, Latino, Caribbean. Everybody was in this Roman church. He was saying, so my brothers and sisters, you also died to your old ways and through the body of Christ that you might belong to one another. You might be one unit. To him who was raised from the dead, we're all in Christ. And just like we are in Christ, that we might bear fruit for God. Resurrection now. What's next? Ephesians. This, I love this. But because of his great love for us, this is God. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, made us alive with his son in Christ, so that when we were dead in our sins, dead in our sins, dead in our sins. This is the whole world, folks, dead in sin. Uh, it is by grace you have been saved. And... And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we have died and we have resurrected. 
And we are with power now for those who are in Christ by believing. That's what we call the salvation experience. Resurrection now is available. It's not something that happens at the end of the time. It's not something that happens when you die in heaven or hell. It happens here. Resurrection now is available by his spirit. Receive it. Say yes. Like Martha, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Let your answer be yes. Start with yes. Just nod yes. I believe because with God, all things are possible.